The Spin-Off Podcast Network. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Welcome to Onsite, an informative, easygoing podcast series about the trade industry, brought to you by Trade Jobs NZ and the Spinoff Podcast Network. I'm Jay Reeve, and along with my co-host Brooke Sparky or Thompson, we'll take a good hard look at the ups, downs, and opportunities of a life on the tools. Subscribe now via your preferred podcast provider, and if you're ready for a career in the trades, visit tradejobsnz.co.nz. Here we are at episode six of Onsite Podcast, brought to you by Trade Jobs NZ. Thanks for joining us today. We're taking a look into the crystal ball and asking the hard questions: what the trade industry looks like in the future, and is a trades career a resilient one? We're joined by special guests Philip Aldridge and Robbie Paul, CEO and Pomata Maori CE, respectively, of Waihanga Arado, the Construction and Infrastructure Workplace Development Council. Welcome, gentlemen. I guess if we could start with a little bit of background on yourselves, how did you get into these roles uh, and, and what did you do in terms of the construction industry before taking on these roles? I guess start with you first, Phil, and then and then move to yourself, Robbie. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, great introduction. So I've been in and out of construction for a long time, for the last 20 years. So I spent nine years at Telecom New Zealand doing various roles there uh, around the infrastructure and the rural broadband rollout. And then I was involved in the Christchurch rebuild for three or four years. And I'm involved in also in government trying to plan infrastructure. So I've been around quite a bit of time and in and out of various roles to try and make a difference to New Zealand and uh, develop the workforce for the future. And yourself there, Robbie? Yeah, I did a um, slightly different path, uh, 20 years in the New Zealand Army. So um, did a couple of tours overseas trying to rebuild things. Um, then I spent, once I'd left, 15 years with the uh, Industry Training Organisation for Infrastructure. Um, First New Zealand contracting ITO, then Infotrain, then Conexus as it moved along. I finished there in about 2018, went back into the industry and worked on a couple of projects for some major um, contracting companies and then joined Wahanga Araro at the end of November last year and I'm still coming to work each morning. <laughs> good work. I just wanted to jump in and, and pitch a good question to Phil for something that I'm really interested in is a lot of people probably assume outside of the trades that it's it's not really a hugely tech-focused culture or, or job, but with new technologies and materials and these techniques that are constantly evolving in our sector, um, is it crucial for the industry to stay on top of that and, and how are we coming uh, more modern with our apps in the construction industry now, you know, 
what is what is your knowledge on that sort of direction that we're heading in? Certainly, there's big changes coming down the line. Certainly, one of the, the sustainability and technology is part of that. So there's a move to lower carbon economy. And so how do we do things differently? It's going to be a big change over the next five to ten years. And technology is happening too. We've got sort of things like uh, GPS on graders on when they're doing roading. Uh, a lot of technology for site plans and designing houses and buildings. So yes, the, the, the technology level is increasing. It is quite exciting as well. And there's things like um, off-job manufacturing. So there's lots of technology coming down the line. Some of it's coming through and probably some of it's hidden, but certainly technology level requirements is, 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 is great. And it's going to be quite exciting industry over the next uh, 10 to 20 years. Awesome. Hey, Robbie, where do we sit, do you think, in terms of internationally, uh, in terms of how advanced we are when it comes to our construction practices or uh, trade practices? Yeah, I, th- I think um, people look to us, in fact, to see how we're doing things over here, predominantly around the use of technology, um, around how we capture um, the essence of work using drones. And, and um, of course, Philip mentioned the GPS on, on everything we own now. So it sort of takes the um, makes it a little bit more accurate and precise, and I think that's what people like. Um, and of course, there's the work ethic um, that comes behind being a Kiwi um, that people love as well. So I, th- I think we're right up there. Philip, how far away are we? Do you think from uh, getting 3D printed? or fabricated offshore houses and being banged up? Because obviously things take time, things cost money. Uh, in New Zealand, we often don't have much of either. <laughs> yeah, so how far are we looking offshore to supplement that, or do we need to possibly double down on what we're doing here in Aotearoa to make sure that we can you know, sustain ourselves? I don't have a clue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, don't, I think it's not my first to ask. Robbie, you might have a viewpoint. Yeah, so... Materials obviously is a big thing, um, the lack of materials coming into the country. Uh, what we're seeing at the moment is uh, we've got big building projects that are starting to look at um, processing their own wood products. Um, there's a lot more companies now that are doing pre-framing themselves um, in order to do their build. So with the uh, lack of materials that's coming to the country, I suppose we're looking at other ways of doing it. Um, pre-frame is nice. But uh, if we want to keep the New Zealand economy running, um, we're going to come up with our own ideas, I think. Philip, you mentioned uh, you're part of the Christchurch rebuild. Um, I know that there was, a, I guess, a tricky call to be made, but one that needed to be made in terms of how many places uh, that were affected by the earthquake that just had to have bulldozers run through them. I remember my uh, my uncle used to just give the old line of sight down a bit of timber and go, you yeah, know, that's pretty good, mate. Whack the nails out of that, she'll go again. Windows, doors, roof tiles, bricks, all of the rest of it that goes with it. Uh, and, and with that, I guess, the sustainability as well. How much are we doing, do you think, as an industry to make sure that it is a sustainable industry and being able to recycle those products and to put them into new places? Do we we have the ability to do so or do we kind of come into a little bit of bureaucratic red tape? No, we're getting there. Certainly the, the building regulations have changed, like there's double glazing around houses, there's, there's requirements around insulation. There's a new government regulations coming through shortly around um, how to manage waste. So those are the big changes. And it's also going to change practices, you know, the use of steel versus wood. Um, those type of things are going to become quite important over the next period of time. And so for example, in the big works, big roading works, there's major requirements around environmental runoff um, and making sure they are built for a long term rather than just a short term. So that often adds more cost initially, but it leads to greater savings 
uh, later on. So there is a big focus on sustainability and environmental impacts. I went down there when it initially uh, occurred and spent a couple of years down there with the demolition side and also recycling those materials back into into the system. So, um, again, it's been um, resourceful um, on how we um, turn, turn that sort of material around. Uh, the concrete blocks being used for rehabilitation of sites and, and um, so forth. So quite a bit was turned around. Um, and there's also stuff that came in, um, and I think Fulton Hogan were a big part of it, so was Downer, um, on making new roading products um, with the use of glass and waste material. Have you noticed that we are trying to, I guess, as a country, produce a bit more of that sort of stuff, like if float our own glass, say, for example, or uh, instead of just chopping down trees, sending them away to get milled up and then sent all the way back to us to then be used as, as building material, is there a bit more focus you see being put within New Zealand themselves to be more sustainable in that in that regard? Yeah, there is. And a lot of that comes down to the availability of uh, materials coming offshore. Um, so we have to find other ways of, of doing our work. And um, we've got the creative people here to do it. What are the biggest barriers you see facing the industry in the next sort of 10 to 15 years? I think one of the big ones is finding skilled workforce. We're currently probably, depends how you estimate it, probably 80,000 short currently. So we've got about 400,000 400, in the workforce now, 410,000. So we're currently 80,000 short. And most industries are crying out for labour, um, skilled labour at, at all levels, right from the sort of the sort of unskilled right to technical level, to professional, to managerial. And so one of our big challenges is how to find those people. And, and some come out of school, but majority, about half, come from other areas, from trades or university or other areas. So we need to find out, find ways of attracting people into the industry and being more productive so we don't have such a big shortage going forward. Because there's a massive pipeline of about $250 billion coming down the line. You've probably seen the free waters work that the government's uh, proposing. Even in that area, that smaller, relatively small area around um, you know, sewage pipes, uh, wastewater, water pipes, there's estimated another 7,000 people needed over the next 20 years. So all these areas are crying out for skilled labour. So that's probably the biggest um, challenge we're facing. And that's causing delays already in some things like Citilink Project in Auckland. So, and then we've got the short-term issues around, as, as Robbie mentioned, around sort of delays in, in supply, um, price increases that are affecting the industry. Robbie, do you see that as, a, as an issue because we are such a, a young country that we haven't really had to build that infrastructure, I guess, using the, the CityLink Rail as an example, uh, trying to get the workforce on site that have experienced their COVID hits, prices go up, materials don't come in, workforce that have been running the boring machines or whatever it is, uh, it, you know, how do, how do we get around that? Yeah, mate, I was... Um I joined the, the training side of the industry in 2003 and the, and the tone of the industry then was we're short of skilled labour. Um, 2022, we're short of skilled labour. <laughs> uh, I think we have to change the mindset of, of uh, industry um, and it couldn't have come at a worse time, to be honest, because we are all competing for the same person um, trying to enter every industry in New Zealand. Um, what makes this one attractive is that um, infrastructure will go on forever. And how far you go in the industry is dependent on how much you want to apply to it and push yourself. Um, because his career is all the way up to the top um, for, the, for those people who want to come in. Um, yeah, yeah. And the other problem is with the borders opening, we've got to watch out the, uh, the amount of people that go out of the country. Um, 
whilst trying to attract people into the country. So I think the emphasis is, is to concentrate on our own and see what we can do there. Well, in saying that, I have a pitch for you guys. So we're short, you know, 70, 80,000 workers. What are the chances that we could get some robotic tradies in the future, you know, make things more automated? Because for Sparkies <laughs> like me, there's always going to be jobs in um, maintenance in a lot of that mechanical area. But, you know, what if instead of people, we, we use more sort of uh, technology-based things to fill those roles is that a possibility that you both see coming yeah of course it is Brooke and uh, I remember driving through Auckland four years ago and seeing a uh, robot lawnmower (laughs) going around (laughs) open space management mowing the lawns and I thought hey that's pretty cool Um, but yeah it is possible it is changing too it's one of the things that is going to be coming down the line it's probably early days yet is off-site manufacturing Uh, for example Fletcher uh, up in Auckland they've got a site called Clevercore which is Doing a lot of framing and trusses off site, and uh, then 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 bring it to the site um, um, to build. So that's sort of saving a lot of money and time and effort. Um, so those are the sorts of things I think will expand over the next ten years. Would there then would then be a concern, I guess, if you were looking at getting into trade, that your skill set will be obsolete and you'll be replaced by a robot? I mean, the number of people I still see swinging a stop go sign when we've got traffic lights uh, would probably give me hope that there is going to be roles for everybody in the future. Yeah, it just means that we um, up the level of what we do. Um, so what it, what it will mean in the future, particularly on that traffic management side, is that it can become automated so that it frees up uh, people to take on other roles. Um, so that's what I see. More incentive to come be an electrician because there will never not be a job in electrical. <laughs> doesn't matter how many automated traffic lights go in, they all still need power and they all still need repaired. So um, that was a big draw card for me doing my electrical apprenticeship is it doesn't matter how many years or how quickly we go into the future, there's always going to be a job for me. So it's pretty cool. I think the other thing to say is there's lots of different jobs. Traditionally, the, the trades have been, you know, um, stop-go signs or sparkies or um, chippies and things like that and plumbers. So that's the tradition. But actually, there's probably over 100 occupations. You talk about um, and both some of the physical, some of the less physical, uh, quantity surveyors, project managers, you know, scaffolding, paint. There's lots of different trades that require – that all coin out for labour. So there's something for everybody – Depends on what you want to do, what you what you get a buzz out of, but you can set a really exciting career for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, if we could just get you to pause there for a moment, gentlemen, a lot more questions to ask, uh, a lot more answers we need to get from you. Coming up, we'll talk a bit more about technology and innovation in the trades industry. Don't go anywhere. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome back. We're talking about what the future might hold for the trade sector with Philip Aldridge and Robbie Paul from Waihanga Araro, the Construction and Infrastructure Workplace Development Council. How can organisations like yours help us stay on top of, uh, I guess, what the industry needs to see within change? What is it that you guys are doing to make sure that we're at the forefront? Not that it's all just on you guys, but you know. (laughs) I think part of our role is making sure that we've got really good qualifications and consistency. So actually... 
the people that we train are actually fit for, fit for purpose, so they're not you know, out of date within five seconds. Also, we're trying to look ahead and saying, you talk about sustainability and technology, actually making sure that those come through in the qualifications and the training, but also that we actually uh, make sure the right people in the right place at the right time. So um, we've got the right skill set, um, you know, and there's demand across all the country. There's, there's demand in the cities, demand in the regions. So wherever you are, there's jobs. I think there's something for everybody. I think there are things we can say there is, you know, coming to trades broadly or construction infrastructure, typically you don't get any student debt. There's high demand we talked about. You can earn while you learn. Uh, there's really cool stuff around technology coming down the line. And if you're a sparky like Brooke, potentially you can own your own business. So there's lots of opportunity here, and you can really get you know, uh, you know get, in, get your own house quickly and things like that. Really make a difference to get on the on the career ladder. A massive barrier to entry at the moment is uh, people getting their hands on that Ford Ranger that they want just to get into <laughs> trades. You know, just loaded up with every single accessories, a, a rooftop tent, something off the side of it. You know, that's what that's what everyone wants to get into it for. Uh, you, you spoke before, Philip, about uh, the, the I guess what could be a talent drain with with so many people being uh, able to get bigger money and having not travelled for the last couple of years, wanting to probably stretch their wings. They may have finished their apprenticeship. They might be wanting to head overseas and, and jump on sites overseas. The reverse of that, I guess, is that we then are able to get uh, a skilled workforce in from overseas. Have we got the checks and balances in place because these roles need to be fulfilled, uh, but to make sure that they're at the calibre of which we want them to be at when they do arrive? Yeah, you're right. And, and it's all about balance with the expertise that's coming into the country whilst others are leaving. It sort of keeps us down the bottom somewhat. So we've got to watch out that we don't fill too many of the top end positions with people from overseas because it prevents people from going or going through their own career progression, and then they start looking overseas because they think, gee, it's all jammed up here, so we're off. So it's a fine balance. We've got a team that's working on producing workforce development plans as we speak for every sector that we look after, and part of those plans is having an overall look um, out five, ten years and making sure um, that we balance that off all the way through. What are the consistent threads through all of the different industries you see? It's all around the people. Um, and it's the mindset of those that are coming into the industry now. If we could get a more of a conducive work plan that takes them from zero, bounce them off the couch, get them motivated, get them working, and then get them progressing through their careers, through meaningful employment and, and good wages and all the rest of it, we really take care of our staff, um, then there'll be no reason to leave, um, unless they're just going on our OE. But um, in that, even in that case, they tend to come back. So the biggest threat is our own people and looking after our people. I think a couple of other things. I think most of the industry is looking for career promotion, so actually making sure they are visible to people so people can come across. As I said, about only about 15% of people come from schools. About half the people in the trades and construction come from other careers, maybe in the 20s and 30s. So making sure they have visibility. I think working with Māori is important um, in terms of actually um, bringing Māori into the roles and, and, and increasing diversity. So traditionally, uh, women have not been represented as much as they should be. Brooke's a good example of one. So actually, how do we encourage more women to come into the industry? What, what changes do you make to make sure they feel welcome and they're retained by the industry? Absolutely. And we talk about how we have such a labour shortage. Well, we've got 50% of the population that's never been tapped into before. So like, how do we fix this problem of not having enough people? We encourage 
or we say to that 50% of the population, this is an incredible career and it's totally available. Like if you want to do it, here it is and we will back you and we will support you. And and that's probably one thing that Robbie was talking about is, is people coming for us. Like that's a huge common theme I've seen throughout all the conversations we've had along this podcast with different people in different positions in the industry is, is so many people are passionate about putting humans and people first. And that's got to be our number one initiative. We've got to pay people. We've got to look after their mental health. We've got to treat them well, and that will retain them in the construction industry. And it just makes for a, just a happier population, you know, like tradies have such great banter and they're so happy to be there a lot of the time. So we need to keep that theme in the trades and we'll keep our people, which would be awesome. Brooke, do you see that as a as a person coming through trade, particularly uh, being female, that you can see a clear roadmap on how you can be successful, how you can uh, at one stage in your career, if you choose to be like these two great looking young men, well chiseled physiques in their business shirts <laughs> and what looks to be about the 34th floor? <laughs> I think absolutely there is a clear path in the trades, which is really cool. You get qualified, then you have a few options. You know, you can run your own business, you can work your way up and be, you know, the foreman of your business. Um, um, you can work for someone else and get paid great and really um, gain those skills in those areas. But also the trades are so cool because you have these multiple, multiple avenues of going into more government agencies. If you've been in the construction industry, you know, you can be um, someone who's uh, voicing for mental health. There's so many aspects. That's what I love about it is um, it's not always such a linear pathway to success. It's kind of what you want to make of it in the trades. And being a woman, for me, I don't really have um, a lot of role models that I can look up to who have had similar experiences as me. So that's why I sometimes feel like a bit of a pioneer for the industry. But that's also my drive, my passion, like is I want to show the girls that are finishing high school now that you can do this and you can have an awesome career and you can make of it what you want to. So I just feel like as the future goes for construction, it's just really exciting to be a part of it. Hey, bud, I'm not sure what window you're looking at, but when I look outside the window at our industry, um, they're not certainly not ripped. Um, I see a lot of Kentucky Fried boxes out there. <laughs> um, but, Brooke, you're exactly right. Um, you know, we've got a big piece of work on at the moment to attract more uh, females into our, our industry. Um, there are a lot more easier on our gear. Absolutely. Um, the broader thinkers, that they can take on a lot more. And um, if I look at our small to medium businesses, I'd say well over half of them are run by the wife, not the guy. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And the daughters are in there as well, and it's just a happy atmosphere to be working in. So there you go. I'll, I'll do a plug for females as well. We need them. Robbie, what do you do? Well, I mean, in terms of that, what is it that you're doing? How have you had to approach things differently to attract uh, females into it? Is there any cross-sharing of skill sets that, say, for example, you you may have studied as an ad executive, or you may have studied as a teacher, you may have studied as a nurse? How much of those skill sets can you bring across so that you don't feel like you've finished a four-year degree and then you're back to square one at the at the bottom of the ladder again? Yeah, there's so many transferable skills now across multiple industries that, that fit into ours um, and we're starting to recognise that now. We've got a, a big piece of work for uh, women in high-vis um, just to attract um, and cause some attention into the, the industry across all levels of work. 
but also if, if we can't find enough people, and we certainly find it hard to attract the right person with the right calibre to come and work for us at uh, Waihanga Arado, is that we, we're going to have to train our own into those positions, and, and that's exactly what we're doing. So whether that's an internship um, across the industry or whether we just grab someone who's got energy and we um, we mentor that person all the way through. Have you noticed an uptick in, uh, I guess, servicemen and women uh, and people possibly out of first responders that have looked for a change in career just because of the, the stresses that have gone with it that have, that have come across and where do they fit into the scheme of things and on that ladder after giving so much of their time as, as public servants? Yes, yeah, certainly. We, we see uh, a lot of ex-service people in the industry. Um, they bring with them a lot of structure, um, sometimes too much structure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, with, with all their experience, they still need retraining. Um, but we do see uh, quite a few spread out across the industries that we cover. Uh, I uh, really appreciate the time and effort that you've uh, given us, gentlemen. If we could just leave you uh, with, I guess, some parting words that you would like to, to put out there, if we could give you the floor, give you the microphone and, uh, and a message that you'd like to convey to those people that are listening, that are possibly sitting on the fence, that are probably in a job or sitting in traffic and they want to get out of these major metro areas that they're in and maybe go a little bit more rural with a new trade and a new challenge. What is it that you would say to those people? I think there's a great opportunity to get jobs that are real, that are going to last. You can train quite quickly into jobs. There's, there's, there's real demand. You don't have to give student debt um, and you make good money. So there's good opportunity there to really make a difference and really be an exciting industry. We can see the difference you make. You can make bridges, houses, buildings, hydro dams, you know, tunnels. It's a very exciting industry to be in. With, with the work programs that are coming out now, there's a lot of building, a lot of construction, uh, a lot of infrastructure work that's coming in now, so the industry is exciting. So um, if you're sitting around wondering what am I going to do, come in, come into the office and have a chat and uh, we'll get you lined up for work. If there are people that are sitting there going, what is it that you actually do? What does Waihanga Araro do? Like, what industries do you cover? Where do I find you? How do I get in touch? How do I change my life for the better? Uh, the best way, you can contact us on our website, but if you're interested in the careers and the trades, there's sites like the careers.gov.nz. There's the ITOs like Connexus, uh, BCITO, and there's the Polytechs. So that's probably the best way to, to reach out to. We have an oversight body and making sure things are happening and make sure the right school is in the right place. We don't actually train ourselves, but we, yeah, we're, we're the voice of industry to make sure things are happening. A uh, massive thank you to Philip, yourself, and Robbie. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and, of course, always, Brooke, a pleasure, never a chore. And, of course, to you for listening. In order. is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Trade Jobs NZ. It's hosted by Jay Reeve and Brooke Thompson. Recorded, edited, mixed and mastered by T.I. Hepatler. With production by Matthew McCauley and series management by Jane Yee. If you're ready for a career in the trades, visit tradejobsnz.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiai Hepatler here, Podcast Manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.